This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. We love connecting with you on social media. We'll bring encouragement, scripture, giveaways, and more to your social media feed. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Lifeway Women. Hello, and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heineman, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. Okay, so I have to ask you something okay. about social media because okay. we are talking to an incredible like person that has a huge social media following. So do you ever, like, we, we never think of ourselves as being social media people, like influencers, but you've done a lot of social media, right, yeah. for Lifeway. So yes. it's an important part of what we, it's an important part of the work that we do. It is, it is, yes. I was going to say, when you first said social media people, I was like, well, that was my job title like it a year was. ago. <laughs> it was. But, um, yes, I don't really think of myself as an influencer, but I do feel like every woman has an influence on social media if you're on yes. social media. Because as one of my friends has said, like, um, if you have however many followers you have, 50 followers, 2,000 followers, whatever, you're speaking directly into those people's lives um, whenever you post something. And so that's, that's something right. that we often don't think about much but we're excited today to have Heidi Anderson on. Hey Heidi! Hey it's good to be here. Yeah. And some of you may know Heidi as this mother hen because you kind of that's kind of where you started right? Yes yes I recently made the switch. I um yeah, that's I I realized so many women that would follow me on this mother hen if they were empty nesters or if they were singles, they felt like, "Oh, I'm not a mom, so this this isn't relevant for me or applicable for me." And and anyone who who knows me, who follows me, I mean, my heart is to teach the Bible in a way people actually understand. So it does not matter if you are a mom, it does not matter if you are in your 30s like me, um although we do throw in some hashtag this is 30 jokes because I mean you pull when you pull a muscle while sleeping that kind of bonds people forever that's right (laughs) but but no I I made the switch so people everyone felt welcome who wants to learn about the Bible and be reminded about the goodness of God that's that's what I'm Mm -hmm. out to do so yeah I made the switch although now I do still have this mother hen it is more like niche specific towards parenting and and raising our kids to know the Lord but yeah yeah. Now and I'm the some, Heidi Lee Anderson. Yeah. So some people might be listening and they're like, she has a little bit of a different accent. Oh, you so, hear it? I do hear it. Yeah. So tell us. <laughs> Our tell southern us ears are trained to hear that um, kind of accent. Yes. In fact, no, I was like, oh, yeah. No, you southern bells. I'm I'm jealous. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no one listens to a Minnesotan accent. They're like, that is so cute. Like, yeah, sure, you betcha. Is not, <laughs> not the cutest, I'd say. But yeah, so we're up north in Minnesota. 
Uh, we we call pop pop, not Coke or soda. And we we say bag. I don't know how you guys. They tried to train like bag. me when I was at Lifeway. Bag, I was just like, bag. what is it? It's ba- how do you say it? Bag, bag, bag. bag. Okay. <laughs> I just See, know no different. A, that's another word for us. That's B E G. Bag. It is. Yeah, I, I did not know that I talked differently until I was on Instagram and people are like, what are you saying? I mean, I call a hair elastic, a hair binder, and I did not know that was not a thing. People were like, are you talking about a paper binder where you like clip it in? It's like, no, that's what you put in your hair for a ponytail, a hair binder. Yeah. I was just talking to this weekend to some friends, and we're all from the Southeast United States, but different parts of the Southeast United States. Okay. And there were even just some differences in, you know, Georgia and Nashville, mm-hmm. and okay. where we were like, what are you talking about? Like, just <laughs> the slang words that are just very, very specific to a region. And so I always oh, think I those it. are so funny. I love it. So tell us, you've started telling us a little bit about yourself, but tell us a little bit more about yourself and your family and um, your ministry on Instagram. Okay, yeah. Yeah, for most of my career, um, I've been in some sort of ministry. So I started off as a recent grad with a marketing major who actually decided my last semester that I just want to play with kids all day, you know, because I needed to pay thousands of dollars for college to have that experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that actually landed me in kids ministry, which was a dream. I led a team of 250 volunteers and I, I was able to teach the word of God to around 500 kids every weekend. And it was there that I discovered I have a spiritual gift of teaching that the Lord has given me. I mean, when their eyes would stare up at me with these like as wide as saucepans when they heard the story of David and Goliath for the first time, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is this is what I want to do. And not necessarily be with kids, you know, who are like so sweet one moment. And then they ask why your backside is so flabby the next, (laughs) you know, like I love them. But I wanted to teach to women where I could complete a full sentence, you know. (laughs) So um, about five years into that role, I switched over to a content developer position at our church. I wrote small group curriculum um, and daily devotionals for over 20,000 people. And it was just so fun. It was um, my total dream job. But then I had a decision to make shortly into that role. Um, By that time, I was married to my husband, Ty. Um, We just had our first son, Oscar. and we actually met through my cancer journey, which I know we're going to get into in a little bit there. Our love story is pretty fun. Um, but even though Oscar was with grandma all day, every day, I had a mentor tell me, you know what, you can have a job like this in the future, but you only get six short years before they go off to kindergarten with them and you can't get that back. So actually that day I put in my two weeks notice and I have not looked back since. So most days I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've been married to Ty now for nine years. We have Oscar who's eight, Mabel who's six, Hazel's who who's four, and Dottie is now eight months. I have to do the calculations <laughs> quick in my head. I don't want to mix it up. Um, But yes, other days I'm a writer and I'm on Instagram, like you said, which is always a weird answer, you know, when people ask what I do since, you know, everyone and their mothers, or at least most of their mothers (laughs) are on Instagram these days. Um, But I do a lot of writing and speaking on my page. And um, after five years of being a stay-at-home mom, I was able to freelance write for my church and I wrote those daily devotionals at home. But then they made the decision to stop offering those as a church. So my position was cut and I felt this like, 
loss of where do I put this energy? I want to teach people about God. I'm a stay at home mom. I'm basically wiping butts and floors all day. Like, <laughs> and I just prayed about it. And I, that's when I started my Instagram page where I just thought I'm going to funnel all of my thoughts and what I'm learning in the word um, online. And it just kind of caught fire from there. And now I have a very sweet community of over a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand women. They just love Jesus and they're on social media to make his name known. It's just pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. I, I may get this totally wrong, Heidi, but when you, when you were pregnant with Dottie, was there like a conversation online about the name? Oh, totally. Okay. I kind of remember that. No, that that video went viral to the point where I'm like, Ty, I can't look at the comments because majority of them wanted the other name. And oh, I'm wow. like, no, but I she was born and we had we were trying to decide between two different names, Dottie or Sadie. They were both family uh-huh. names. Sadie means princess, and we thought, you know, child of the king, that could work. Um, Dottie um, means loved by God, seen by God. And and so we were just going back and forth. And so I posted this picture of Dottie, or this video, this reel, um, of her swaddled. And we had two onesies next to her that said, D is for Dottie or S is and S is for Sadie. And I just did a quick pan up and I went over each of the onesies and I said, which one would you choose? Help us decide. And it like wow. it blew up. And it's funny because I'm still getting comments today. Now she's eight months and I still get notifications like someone said Sadie for sure. I'm like, oh no, it's still going around. So that was pretty fun. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it'll be interesting when she grows up to say, yeah, you, um, the, the whole social media world helped name you. <laughs> oh, yes. Speaking yeah. of the social media world, I think that's one thing that a lot of um, our listeners may be kind of scared of. Like we've heard, yeah. we've heard all the, all the negative things about For the sure. social media world. And uh, those are good to always keep in mind. But yes. how can we use our social media to be a positive influence in a space that's often used or yeah. filled with comparison and just yes. meanness, <laughs> to, yeah, for lack of a better word. Yeah. No, 100%. And I, I, I actually get so heated about this because I know <laughs> social media can get a bad rap. And yes. I, I feel like, especially in the Christian sphere, I mean, we can pat each other's backs for taking time off online. And I totally support that. And you have to follow through with your convictions, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a different one because I think where are moms at 7.30 p.m. p.m. after they put their kids to bed? Mm-hmm. And they are on their phones. Like, we yeah, are on our mm-hmm. phones. And we may be watching Netflix. We may be catching up with our husbands about the day. We may be folding laundry here and there, but we are also on our phones. And while women are on their scroll, what if they came across a reel or a post about Jesus and the Bible and it actually draws them closer to God? Because what I found is they there might be people out there that are interested in God, but they are intimidated to go to church or they're too embarrassed to ask their friend or their neighbor, but me, I'm this person they don't know. And if they send me a message asking me questions, they don't feel stupid and they don't even have to reply back if they don't if they don't want to talk to me anymore. I mean, it's a non-threatening thing. And so 
What I love is there are women who will share my posts and it's actually their friends or their followers that will DM me and ask me questions. And, and they'll find out later like, oh, I know so-and-so now join my Bible study and we're talking about this. And I had no idea, but they reached out to you. And, and I'm like, that's, that's you. Like, that's why I tell these women, I literally could not do anything on Instagram because the way the algorithm works, I mean, if I post and no one likes it, no one shares, they will bury it and they'll deem it as content that is not worthy to be pushed out. People don't care about, but man, the women that get on board and they're like, I'm going to like and comment. So Instagram knows like this message about Jesus should be shared. And then when they share on their stories and then, and then it reaches their people that I could never reach on my own. I mean, that's where the body of Christ is really, I mean, the ones that get it online, I'm just like, let's do this because they're reaching people in a really non-threatening way where people are just sitting on their phone. So why, why not redeem that for the Lord? Why not use that for the Lord? And I just, I love that. So my, the women that are in my community, I mean, I can't say thank you enough because it is, it is just amazing. And you guys do that at Lifeway too. I mean, you're putting out Bible studies and I love, like, I just love this one with Jennifer for Rothschild, I was like, yeah, like crying as I'm listening. It's like, yes. that's so cool when you can share stuff like that online and people just see it, you know? And really it's, it's kind of, you know, like Paul talks about that you have to use all possible means to, yes. to get people. And, and so it, for 2022 and the culture in which we live, like yes. this is a way to spread the gospel. And so oh, I love that. I love that you're using this platform to reach people and, and just to really, it's a discipleship tool in a new way, right? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly right. Sure. Exactly right. Yes. Well, I, I want to ask you because you mentioned you've got four children, you know, the oldest yeah. is eight, youngest eight months. So, yeah. you know, pretty young still. And I think this is a con, and you probably get a lot of DMs about this, but I think one of the struggles that younger moms really face, especially when there's multiple children, it's like, yes. how do I find time every day to spend time with the Lord? And how do I develop this habit of being the word? Because I I am just trying to survive with these children. Yes. So oh, I talk get it. about like oh, how, I get it. Yeah. How do you how do you help women find time to spend time with the Lord in just the midst of all the chaos that's going on? Yes. No, I for sure get that. And I would say my first few years, again, I was I would not have claimed to be any expert. I still don't. But this is the one perspective change that I needed to make. And it has been night and day for me. But I used to think what worked for me pre-kids should work for me with kids. And so I would want my quiet time. I would want to read through a certain amount of chapters a day. And I would want it to be continuous. Like if I sat down to read John one through two, I want to finish it by the time I stand back up. And I had to reframe my perspective because the call with children, right, is that we are called to make disciples and we're called to talk about God's commands, like it says in Deuteronomy, whether when we wake up, when we go to bed, when we're walking, when we're on the road. I mean, that's the call. And so as I'm sitting down to read, it is like the kids sniff it out right away. And they're like, mom is not busy, quote unquote. She is available. <laughs> Let's ask her to play. Let's ask her for snacks. Let's do all of this. And I used to get so frustrated, like kids, I just need a couple minutes. Okay. Um, but instead, 
I remember, I, I remember that verse, those verses in Deuteronomy, and I instead view it as it, an opportunity to disciple. So if a kid comes over to me and I'm reading about Jesus walking on water, for example, and they're like, mom, can you play with me? Whatever. And I'll say, hey, guess what I just read? This is the coolest story. You have got to listen to this. So the disciples were in the boat. They were so scared. They saw Jesus walking on water. Can you believe it? Like walking on water. And then my kids just kind of stand there and they're like taking it in. And then they kind of end up walking away, like thinking about it. And then I get to keep reading. And you know, sometimes it doesn't pan out where it's, I can keep reading. But then I realize, you know what, if that's all that I got in and I shared with them in that moment, Man, then then that's what the Lord had for me that moment. And I need to I need to get outside of my plans, what what that looks like for me in my mind, and just really just lay it out with open palms. What does this look like today? And it's gonna look different every day with kids. But I just think yeah. instead of viewing it as an interruption, because I'm one that could never wake up earlier before the kids, but instead of viewing it as an interruption to my Bible reading time, I view it as an invitation to disciple. And I will just share whatever I'm reading, knowing that God will plant seeds how he wants to plant seeds. And uh, I'll just hope that's an opportunity. I think that's so good because I, I remember, I mean, it's been years since I had little kids, but yeah. I do remember feeling like I'm not doing this right. And yeah. I would hear people talk about, you just need to get up earlier before oh. your kids get up. Well, no. my kids got up, my kids got up really early. Yeah. And, and then I'm just thinking, you know what? Like, I just need to like spend time with the Lord throughout the day when I, like when I get these opportunities. Yes. So that's such great, it's, that's an encouragement I think to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it seemed like whenever you tried to set the alarm earlier, the kids would wake up with the alarm oh, too. Yeah. I, I could never escape <laughs> oh, yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and some people are not morning people. So the mm -hmm. idea yes. of getting up and like reading the Bible first thing is not gonna be very uh, sanctifying for them. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, 100% yeah. feel that, yes. Okay, so you alluded to part of your story earlier is your battle with cancer as a very young yes. woman. So we would yeah. love to hear more about that, um, whatever you're willing to share about, yeah. about that part of your story. Yes, um, so it was actually 10 years ago now, um, I felt a lump on my neck and um, again, I was single, I was working at my church, um, and I didn't really know what it was. And I remember telling my mom, she explained, you know, sometimes people get enlarged lymph nodes when they have cold. So I just stayed mindful of it. Um, but then another month later, there was another bump around my collarbone. So I scheduled a doctor appointment. Um, and after so many tests and, and so many days of waiting, I'll just always remember sitting on that white crinkly paper and staring at my doctor saying, oh, you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I looked over at my mom because, I mean, don't all 23-year-olds bring their moms to their doctor? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> but maybe, yeah. maybe 34, you should probably stop though, right? <laughs> but I remember asking, what even is that? Because without any family history of cancer or really any disease whatsoever, like those kinds of titles just went over my head. Like that's something someone else will have to worry about, what other people go through, but not me, you know? Um, but I remember, you know, her saying cancer in your lymph nodes. I vaguely remember standing before the scheduling assistant, waiting for the next available appointment with the ecology center. It still wasn't for another three weeks. Um, and I walked out of that appointment 
and I'll, I just remember staring up at the blue sky desperately needing a savior. And maybe you guys have been there too, but I mean, I knew Jesus as my Lord and savior, but I'm talking about when you face a situation so out of your control and there is nothing you can do to fix it. And you know, you need help beyond yourself. You need a savior bigger than yourself. Um, and I get it because I was there. I sat in those three weeks, not sure what the future held, how far along I was. Um, and that's where I just feel like in all of life, waiting is <laughs> the absolute worst, isn't it? Like not just waiting to hear a cancer diagnosis, although maybe, but I mean, waiting for your house to sell, waiting for your spouse to land a job after he lost it, waiting for that positive pregnancy test after what you miscarried from the last. I mean, this is where the enemy can really pick you apart, trying to plant seeds of doubt and fear and discouragement as all the what if worst case scenarios run through your mind with his intention, of course, to make you feel completely helpless and hundred percent helpless. But what I love about our God is he is the hope of the world. And when Jesus left, he sent the helper. So for those in Christ, we are neither helpless or hopeless. Um, and so, I, I mean, I ended up having stage two cancer and the oncologist told me I would need to go through about six months of chemo, um, six weeks of radiation. Um, he then walked me through all the possible scenarios that could result, like just short term, there was like loss of muscle movement in my neck or chemo would attack my ovaries and I wouldn't be able to have kids. Um, but then he went on to describe symptoms that could develop in the future, like Breast cancer is a common second cancer and could come in my 30s, which I have a mammogram scheduled tomorrow being 34. I mean, that still hits close to home whenever I go in. Um, fear attempts to scare me with all the what ifs. But then by age 40, I mean, one of the drugs could cause cardiac arrest, you know, like wow. no big oh, deal. Wow. Look, excuse yeah. me. How am I supposed to live, laugh, love with these conditions always hanging over my head? Um but this is why I share online. And this is where I, I, I just realized that no matter what trial people are facing, whether that be divorce, miscarriage, or debt, or whatever, it's, it is hard in and of itself. But then the enemy wants us to battle fear for the rest of our lives. Because like for me, no matter how many years you're in your remission from that one cancer, I mean, there's a whole legion of other diseases knocking at the door. And no matter mm -hmm. how many years you're past a certain trauma or heartache, I mean, there's a whole slew of opportunities for that to happen again. You know what I mean? Um, and then I, I just, I'm so grateful that God tells us in the Bible not to fear 365 times. So it's like every day he wants us to hear him say, do not fear because every day we will also hear the opposite voice tempting us to do otherwise. Um, and personally, I was not always in the mood to choose faith when I was going through it. At the very beginning of my treatment, I had just gone through my first um, round. My hair hadn't fallen out yet. Um, I didn't know how it would end. But my pastor asked me, would you be willing to share your story during communion? Um, and I didn't want to because I didn't feel like I was in a good enough place. But I just remember telling the Lord, I listened to a message by my pastor called Suffering Well, and he explained how there are 
men and women all throughout the Bible that face hard times. No one had it easy. But what set them apart is Paul didn't stare helplessly at the bricks around him. And Daniel didn't just cower in fear at the growls of the lions. But they chose to believe in God. They chose to believe in the unseen over the seen and that there was more to their circumstances than what merely meets the eye. And so when I heard that, I'm like, okay, God, I want to live like that. I want to suffer well like that. And so I said, any opportunity you give me, I'll share knowing John 16, 33, like we will have trouble in this world, but we can take heart. Why? He has already overcome. And guess who just so happened to be visiting my church that weekend? Do you <laughs> girls have any guesses? I have a guess. Was I it, don't. Was it time? <laughs> it was Ty. It, it was such a cool thing because oh, wow. um, he goes to a different church up north, but he was with a friend and they were like, let's just go to church before dinner on Saturday night. And he was there and he was listening to my story. And it was actually afterwards he went out to dinner and all of his friends were like, how sad, like how sad that girl's only 23, already has cancer, how hopeless. And he just looked around and was like, if this is how everyone is responding to her, like without hope and like so sad for her, then I need to reach out and let her know I'm praying for her. And so he did, he sent me a message. It was so simple. It was just on Facebook. And he's like, just want you to know, I heard your message. God wants you well, and I'm praying for you. And we messaged back and forth, back and forth. And and I'll, I'll never forget it, but actually when I started radiation and I was wearing a wig, he picked me up at my house and took me out to get coffee. And we just walked up and down that street for three and a half hours. And we both knew like, this is it, you know? And I just, I love that about God is that he could have sent my husband at any other point in my 34 years of life, but he chose the six month stint when I desperately needed hope, when I just wanted something to look forward to. And I just, ever since then, I live convinced of the goodness of God. And that's why I love to share our story because even in the hard, when it feels like, how could God ever, ever redeem this, he does. That's what he does is he redeems all things and he'll work all things for our good and his glory. And it was just so fun to see it in the midst of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is such an encouragement, I think, for, you know, just somebody maybe listening to today who's maybe going through cancer or just a really difficult time and just to yeah. be reminded that, that God's presence is with us. And I, in fact, I wanted to ask you, Heidi, like, what are some practical ways, because all of us know people who have gone through cancer yeah. or suffering, what are some practical things that you think would be, like, how can we walk along someone really well in this? And then um, how would you encourage maybe the woman who is going through this? Yeah, no, those are good questions. And um, I don't want to be too cryptic, but I may or may not be coming out with a resource next year that will be a perfect gift to encourage someone in this spot. Um, but actually, for now, I was just talking with a loved one who just last week got a clean bill of health from her oncologist after fighting breast cancer. And we were talking about our experiences and and 
how we felt most encouraged. And the hardest thing we both agreed of, of is for both of us, when we'd face friends or family or acquaintances who almost needed us to encourage them, like they were mm -hmm. so disheartened by our news. They felt scared for us. So they were the ones crying, not necessarily, not necessarily us. So instead of us being on the receiving end of encouragement and hope, like we had to comfort them like, oh, I'm actually doing okay. Like God showing up. And, and then instead of being in a good spot, like we were just seconds before, now we're feeling down and we need to find peace again in the Lord, like after that get together and in an already mental and emotionally hard battle, like that roller coaster isn't needed, <laughs> you know, like it's one thing for people who don't know Christ to respond to us like that. But for those of us who know Christ, I mean, like first Thessalonians says 413, we don't grieve. We don't live like those who have no hope. So we can offer so much more than even good thoughts and good vibes. We can, as his ambassadors, we can breathe life and hope into lifeless and hopeless situations. So I would just say, I needed those people. I specifically remember those individuals who encouraged me with scripture. Both of us love that. We loved when people texted us scripture. We loved when people sent us worship songs. We loved when people were hopeful on our behalf, because I think sometimes we as Christians were like, ooh, but we don't know how it's gonna play out and we don't, we don't wanna like give false hope. But in Christ, we don't have false hope. We actually are given Romans 8, 28, which is a sure promise that he will use all things for our good and his glory and it may not look like we want it to on earth it might we may not see that redemption until the other side of heaven but even still we can offer his hope today and we can be like and i love in psalm 71 where it says as for me i will always have hope and i think breathing hope into people's lives into their discouragements i mean we didn't need more people to add tears to the puddle. We, ha we had enough of our own. We just needed people to remind us that our God still has a handle on our lives and that he will somehow, some, in some way, use it for our good and his glory. I would say just keep reminding people of Romans 8, 28 over and over and also send them a ton of coffee gift cards because that was awesome too <laughs> that's awesome that's great that's like practical and spiritual answer right there i, right. I appreciate that for and i think that's so important to know and i've heard that from people before who have gone through a time of suffering whether it was cancer or something sim an illness yeah. or or just yeah. another kind of suffering just that we are to bring the light like we're layers yeah. of light and so um, like you said, you quoted from the Bible, like we're supposed to not mourn as those who right. don't have hope. And so right. that was a beautiful answer. And I think something that our women hopefully can use um, in their everyday when they are faced with supporting people who are going through really hard times. We need to remember. Yeah. We need to remember that. So thank you. Yeah. And I think you had asked, what would I say to someone going through that right now? I mean, I Every day I, I think of someone that is sitting in the seat that I sat in 10 years ago. And I, I am always praying for those people. But I specifically think of the blind man in John 9. And that's where I love to encourage people the most um, that are sitting in a hard place like that, even facing a cancer diagnosis. But when Jesus' disciples saw this blind man in John 9, they asked Jesus, why was this man 
born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And Jesus cleared it up right away. He said, no, it wasn't because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And then he said, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. So maybe when we're being sent to the oncology center or the OBGYN because of the miscarriage or the family gathering, we definitely wish to avoid. I mean, maybe it has more to do than just us. If we we always have the choice. We can choose to put Jesus on display like this blind man. And just maybe this happens so the power of God could be seen in us and through us. But that's up to us. Like we also don't have to. We can we can give into our fear. We can give into the enemy's lies. We can believe God has given up on us and he has abandoned us. But I always remind these women that God did not send his one and only son to die the most painful death on her behalf only to abandon her now. No, our Savior is still mighty to save, and those who wait on the Lord, we will still see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will still see his goodness, no matter what that looks like. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of John 11, too, where um, Jesus gets word that Lazarus has died, and he says, yeah. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Yeah. And so it's kind of that same thing of, like, what how can God use this terrible, terrible thing right. in this broken world? Because um, I, I do know that whenever like a major tragedy hits in yes. the life of our world, we always ask, you know, we say, Lord, come quickly, which is a biblical prayer. But yes. I know in our hearts, we're also thinking, why haven't you come yet? Why didn't you already yes. hear? And yes. so I just love that promise and that hope of like, it's so that he is still, he's still working and he's still um bringing people to him so that he can believe or they can. Right. Because like you said with Lazarus, I mean, the disciples could have been like, wait a second, you're glad that we didn't leave? Like you're actually glad. And I think when we're in the middle of our stories like that, and we don't know the end, we can be confused too. Like, God, your promises don't make sense in light of the circumstances. But if we flip that around and instead of forming our perspective on our situation, just through that lens, focusing on that, but just allowing God and his promises to form our perspective. Like I'm only in the middle of it. I don't have all the facts, but God who does see it all still says that he will redeem it. And I do feel like even Lazarus like dead when they got there, like he was far gone. But again, too, I love how Jesus reframed the perspective in that story where he was like, he's only asleep. And it's, it's as if he wanted the disciples to know, like, when we take our last breath on earth, we are still alive in the presence of God. We are with our Savior in our heavenly home. And and so I love that perspective where Jesus is like, he described Lazarus as asleep and said, those who believe in me will never die. And again, that's that's the promise we have. That's the that's the glory of the gospel that we have life beyond this earth. And when we think of it like that, we're only in the middle, then we get hope because we at least know how it's going to end and it's going to be good, you know? Mm, yes, for sure. So good. Well, Heidi, we always ask everyone because this is the Marked Podcast for yeah. one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ. So how would you answer that question? Oh, that's a really good one. I, I would just say 
the goodness of God. I mean, I sound like a broken record here, but also on my social media platforms, but I will continue to remind God's people about the goodness of God until our dying day, because sometimes it can feel like he's silent and it can seem like evil is winning. And, and when is God going to show up? But God tells us again and again that he is in the midst of us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will flip this for our good and his glory. And so while we're in the middle of our stories, we know the ending, it's already been written. It's not only going to be okay, but with God as the author, for those who keep the faith, it's gonna be good. His redemption will win in the end. And that's what's marked my walk, I'd say. Yeah. Well, this has been such an encouraging podcast, Heidi, and I'm just like, I'm, oh, I think this will probably go down as one of my favorites this year. So oh. I've, I've really enjoyed just getting to hear your heart and getting to know you. And I'm probably a little partial because you have red hair and I have two redhead children. So <laughs> I, I, okay. I look at your picture and I'm like, you remind me of my daughter in so many ways. And, oh, I'm so, I'm so yeah. jealous. I don't know how you did that. I have red hair and my, none of my kids have it. Uh-huh. I mean, Dottie, yeah. Dottie has a faint, a faint auburn tint, but I don't know if it's going to hold out. But I have said, all I want is redhead babies. <laughs> I'm like, wow. what happened? Yeah, no, but I just want to say thank you guys for having me. You guys, I absolutely love what Lifeway is doing. You guys are building his kingdom, reminding us who he is and pointing our eyes to the word of God. And you are such a trusted source in a world that's kind of going crazy. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for doing this and for keeping our eyes on Jesus. Really, truly, you guys are awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you for being on here. And listeners, I want to encourage you, follow Heidi. You can find her on Instagram at Heidi Lee Anderson. And, um, or you can look at her website is thismotherhen.com. So definitely you'll want to just be encouraged by her, just the, the way that she just kind of gives you encouragement each day and her humor and all of that. So um, thank you, Heidi. And listeners, thank you. We always want to thank you for joining us every week. Elizabeth and I love getting to do this, and it's always our privilege to have you um, join us. So we hope that you'll be back next week. This month, we're hearing from a few people who have been marked by the ministry of Operation Christmas Child. Today, we're hearing from Vladimir. Vladimir, how has your life and walk with Christ been marked by Operation Christmas Child? You know, at age nine years old, I received a shoebox gift, and I experienced God's unconditional love in a tangible way. And I always say that God is love. When you show love to people, you show God to people. And when people experience that God's unconditional love, they're truly experiencing God. And so for me, it was like a a seed of love that was placed in my heart. And it it took a long time for me to to, uh, water that, that, seed of love and when i came to the united states i had an opportunity to meet all the people that packed the wonderful shoe boxes and i actually got to pack a shoe box myself so it also helped me to be more generous so i got to cultivate that love in the, in the way and so i got to experience love in a very tangible way through a shoe box a simple shoe box gift and at the same time i got to be on the on the giving end as well so tell us a little bit about your life before Operation Christmas Child, before you received a shoebox, and then what that what that did for you, how that was a marker in your faith and in your life. 
Yes, I come from Kiev, Ukraine. I grew up in a persecuted family. We were persecuted Christians. My father was an underground pastor in Kiev, Ukraine. So we were persecuted from, we were pretty much cut off from the society. We didn't get much love growing up from our society. And because we grew up in a country that uh, didn't uh, accept Christianity, my father was hindered from advancing in his society, which led to him not having high paying jobs. So it got to the point where we had to take turns to go outside to play because we didn't have no shoes for everybody in the family. We had to share toothbrushes. There's just a lot of scarcity, a lot of fear. And when I received my shoebox, it was the opposite. I got to experience God's unconditional love in a tangible way. But most importantly, I got to hear the gospel in a very clear and unique ways through singing, dancing, cartoons, movies, animations, flannel boards. It was like a big birthday party for everybody. So I got to experience what true unconditional love really means because in my culture, when somebody gives you a gift, they always expect something in return. It's always conditional. It's always transactional. But here's a gift that was given to me unconditionally with no strings attached from a complete stranger that will never meet me on this side of heaven. I haven't met the person that packed my shoebox yet. And yet they still took the time, their money and resources to pack a shoebox for a complete stranger. That's what unconditional love is. It's it's uh, doing something so beautiful for a complete stranger. And when people pack the shoeboxes, they're packing with so much love. There's so much love that goes into these shoeboxes and they're receiving and the children feel that same unconditional love that people pack them with. And by just touching that box, by just being around that box, you experience that unconditional love. And But the most important part is that once they experience that unconditional love in a tangible way. Children are there, are then invited to come participate in the 12 Lesson Discipleship Program where they learn more about this unconditional love, Jesus. So they get to go, uh, they learn more about who Jesus is, how to have a relationship with Jesus, and how to share Jesus with others. So it's, it's more than just a gift. It's a gospel opportunity. Yeah, and it's sort of like the gift that just keeps on giving forever. That's right. So that's awesome. Tell us a little bit about um, when you – I'm. How did you pack a shoebox? Tell us about that process. Did you do it from Ukraine or did you do it from the United States? How did that work? When uh, I packed the boxes here in the States, I have two boys. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, two boys. And usually we we, we, we uh, take a simple approach. We pray about it and whatever is on our heart. Like last year, I packed for somebody who I had on my heart a desire to pack for a, a painter. So I got all the you need for a painter. So I went to, to an art supply store and just got all this stuff for a painter. But the year before was for a, a soccer player. So I try to mix it up, try to pay attention to what God is speaking to my heart. And then I, I, I'm obedient in that. And so and then I try to um, pack for, for the person that God is speaking to me to pack for. I love that approach. I think that's something that um, we don't often think about is just even asking God just a little question like that. And I know we've heard stories, we hear stories all the time of people getting a shoebox, children getting a shoebox, and it had the exact thing they'd always been wanting. And so just kind of letting the Lord lead, even in that kind of thing, is such a cool opportunity for us. Um, So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Vladimir. And we look forward to um, seeing, hearing everybody's stories as they pack shoeboxes this year. Thank you. Thank you for your time. As you just heard, Operation Christmas Child delivers great joy and the good news of Jesus Christ to children in need around the world through gift-filled shoeboxes. Operation Christmas Child collects more than 10 million gift-filled shoeboxes each year and distributes them to boys and girls in over 120 countries. 
And in the hands of local churches around the world, Shoebox has become a tool for evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. You can go to SamaritansPurse.org OCC to learn how to pack a shoebox. You can purchase a shoebox through their website or just use your own from your closet. You can get your label on the website and decide what gender and age group you're packing for. Then you can fill it with gifts. But the most important step, as you've heard, is praying over the shoebox for the child who will receive it. Donate $10 to cover shipping costs and then drop off during National Collection Week, which is going on right now until November 21st at your nearest location. And there are over 4,500 drop-off centers across the country, so you can find the closest one to you by entering your zip code on the website. If you don't have time to pack a physical shoebox, you can now pack a box online through the Build a Shoebox online program. Virtually pack your shoebox and choose what gifts are included. And those shoeboxes will go to countries that are closed to the gospel. They're literally taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, and you can be a part of it. Again, you can go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC, and we'll have the link in the show notes as well. We would love for you to join us in sharing the gospel through shoeboxes this year. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.